0: Go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins, Dolphins Podcast. Podcast.
1: Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House.
0: Miami Dolphins quarterback, 2 2 was sacked once in the first three games of the regular season. That all changed on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. Welcome into another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. The question on everybody's mind. Everybody's wondering: Is Miami's offensive line crumbling? Is it just a repeat of years past? And who better to talk about that with than my friend Cat? You can find him on X on Twitter at Brian Cat NFL. How you doing today, my friend?
1: I'm doing good, Jake. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Oh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, man, we've been we've been covering the Dolphins for a long time, and I think one <laughs> of the biggest weaknesses, let's say 10-15 years, has always been the offensive line, and it's become a sensitive subject where things start to go wrong a little bit. People get a little concerned, add in a couple injuries, put it simply. Is it time to panic?
1: No, I don't believe so. Um, Not, t- excuse me. When the dolphins get Connor Williams back, it won't be time to panic because I think Kendall lamb has shown the ability to block uh at a serviceable level on an offense that gets rid of the ball so quickly. Um, Liam Eichenberg is the big giant stinker in this. And if, I tweeted this this week here, but I, I referenced PFF that, and I don't care what you think about PFF. When it's off the page bad, then you got to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. But of all the forty-four centers um, in the NFL this year in pass blocking, Liam Eikenberg has a grade of ten point six out of a hundred. The next closest to him is Michael Dieter at twenty-eight and a half. So he we is off this. the page horrible. And look, I I never want to blame one player or one play for any anything here. But if I had to go back to the Bills game and say, okay, at what point? I mean, look, I th- I think they would have probably lost the game anyway, but at what point did it go wrong? They were back and forth for a while. When did that first domino fall? It was 359 left in the second quarter. And it's third and two for the Dolphins on their own 14. Tua takes the snap and he gets hit by Daquan Jones in 2.2 seconds. And what would have been a first down because Hill was open. He wasn't wide open, but he was open for the first down. Um, and so he, uh, it was an incomplete pass. So if not only did he, they ruined that play, did Eichenberg ruin that play by just by getting pushed back on skates by Daquan Jones? Uh, Tua got hit and then Tua got knocked into Toronto, Armstead, rolled up his ankle. He's gone for the rest of the game. And uh, he's going to be gone here, presumably for several weeks, if not a month or longer. So after that, if if the Dolphins had converted that first down, barely gotten the first down, the Dolphins would have been down by seven points with 315 left in the first half and getting the ball back after halftime.
0: I'm not saying they would have won, but that to me was the turning point in the game. Now we're talking about NFL players here and and I don't want to, I make up excuses all the time. Now, Buffalo is a unique place. Tyree kill had his podcast this week and he was talking about the 12th man in Buffalo for a lack of better words. Is it simply put, can we maybe excuse a little this this uh, performance from the fact that Liam Eichenberg not only was it his first start at center, but his first real time this season, is it possible? Maybe it was a little intimidating to be in Buffalo and yes, he was jump off the page bad, but is there an opportunity where maybe he can weave his way, not maybe even to average, but maybe a little below average where you can survive a game or two or do you feel he's just doomed certainly and i point
1: the finger at the decision to trade dan feeney and mm-hmm. look D- dan feeney is not a great center i don't even think he's necessarily a good center but he is a i if if the dolphins would have had a below average center in that game that didn't get pushed back at a critical part in the game in two seconds, two point two seconds, by a defensive tackle who's six foot four, three hundred and twenty pound run stopper. Okay, that's how bad it was. Um, but no, can Eichenberg recover? Certainly, but it's when you look at it, it's a fool, it was a foolish decision, foolish decision, to trade Dan Feeney for a sixth round pick. Um, you know, we're we're not looking for a, a great backup center, just somebody who's going to get on the field and not embarrass himself, and that's what Eichenberg
0: did, did here in this game. I'm not saying a six round pick is like a huge net positive. When's the last off the top of your head real quick. When's the last time a six round pick did anything for the dolphins? Can can you think of that off the top of your head?
1: Jeremiah bell. So that was 2003. Oh, I like that. That's a, deep uh, term. see Donald Thomas was, I don't remember if you remember him. He was a guard. He was actually a, a really big find. And then of course he gets a career ending injury. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I could think of a, a couple of more, but, uh, yeah, that's they, they don't come along very rarely. You probably have uh, what's your hit percent of, on a six round pick? Maybe 5%, you know, maybe you can get somebody who makes the roster. Um but oh, Charles Clay was a six round pick too. So oh, that's very good that's deep guy. 2011, yeah.
0: Man, but Charles he, Clay. What a guy. He was so fun.
1: <laughs> he was. He was he was definitely fun. I I and he was a running back at Tulsa too. Uh then he was a f- full back with the Dolphins for a year and then Uh, he turned out to be quite a fine for him.
0: Could you imagine Mike McDaniel with someone like Charles Clay, or is he too slow? Would he just kind of, nah, you you don't belong in this offense.
1: I I think McDaniel would find a place for him. Um, Maybe too, maybe too slow. Um, I I would say with his speed, he would be fine, but the speed and height combo of Charles Clay, you know, it's six, two, six, three, and, and not, you know, I forget what he ran, but it wasn't faster than a 4-6. Yeah, he, he, maybe he finds a place for him, but I'm, I'm sure he preferred more speed.
0: I completely agree. It'd be a fun challenge to watch. Now, the Buffalo Bills, probably, what, a top three defensive line, top five, if we want to just kind of, you know, for the sake of arguments here. It's not always going to look like that, right? Tua's not going to, knock on wood, get sacked four times every game, and the Dolphins are entering a matchup with the New York Giants where they are double-digit favorites. However, being the paranoid, panicky Dolphins fan I am, I look at someone like Dexter Lawrence, who has a 90 PFF pass uh, pass rush grade, which is number three in the league. I think they also have Leonard Williams, who is number five uh, in the league with an 88 pass rushing grade. And then you got Kayvon Thibodeau coming off the edge. He has three sacks this season, but two of them came last week. That right away sounds a little scary to me.
1: Yeah, I mean it's easy to look at the Giants defense and say they they've played like garbage and they they have for the most part but they do have some talented players you know Dexter Lawrence is one of the best nose tackles in the league Christian Wilkins teammate back in Clemson at 6'4 340 he's a monster and uh, don't let his size fool you he's he's really productive as a pass rusher too um then Leonard Williams is he's not quite what he was when he was drafted eight years ago, but still really solid player. They're going to be, they're going to be a bit of a handful inside if the Dolphins interior line can't get their act together. Uh, and then at linebacker, Bobby Okereke, who they signed here this this off from uh, from the Browns, is is a really solid player as well against the run and the pass on the edge. Um, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau has three sacks on the year. When he and uh, um, Aziz Ojalari were on the field the last couple of weeks together, that's when they were able to put the most heat on the quarterback. So, th- those are the spots you got to look at uh, as far as protecting Atua uh, this week.
0: Talking about that interior of the offensive line, uh, last week, Isaiah Went allowed his first two hurries of the year. And then I think Robert Hunt also struggled. I think he had a penalty and he allowed his second hurry of the season. That doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts. Obviously, you're not going to have a clean board for through 16 games, but how much does not having Connor Williams on the field, someone who allows a pressure, what every 2.8 snaps or something bananas like that, how much does him not being on the field impact the two guards?
1: Yeah, it does a lot. And, you know, I mean, you go, you're going from. Connor Williams, who's a top three center in the league to probably the worst center in the league. I mean, that is a massive drop-off. That's really difficult to hide. But I also think another element involved in that too, is that look, the bills were winning most of the game. And when you're winning most of the game and the dolphins are expected to be passing on just about every down that changes the mentality of the defensive line. They're not as worried about staying in their gaps. They're pinning their ears back and they're getting to the quarterback. So any way you slice it, the, the, uh, the Dolphins' offensive line did not play great last game by any stretch of the imagination. But in the second half, that's why you really started to see the Bills turn the dial up.
0: Yeah, one thing that I thought was interesting, they are playing their safeties deep, obviously the press coverage. But the one thing, you know, it sounds like an echo chamber when people talk about how do you beat the Dolphins, like the blueprint. one part that I thought was really interesting that Sean McDermott did it seemed like in the second half they just ignored the flat like anytime they were doing any type of play action RPO if it was Raheem Mostert just like breaking out to the to the sideline or something they just kind of ignored those plays they knew Miami was wanting to attack the middle of the field how much can this defense or excuse me this Miami Dolphins offense be stuck in that box though I mean this is an offense that leads the league in yards leads the league in passing yards and rushing yards so it worked on Sunday against the Bills but can any team go out there on any given Sunday and say hey the blueprint's there let's go, let's go pressure them and, and play contact physical on the line of scrimmage and we'll figure this out
1: yeah the blueprint to stopping the dolphins is get is get a massive lead against them uh get to the quarterback with three or four defensive linemen and then drop everybody else into coverage and play a bunch of robber and, and zone defense Good luck with that because trust me teams have thought of that and it doesn't work. When you blitz Tua to, uh, to try to get pressure on him, it doesn't work. You play right into his hands. And then when you rush three or four, uh, usually you're not getting to him. And he has and he's getting rid of the ball in under three seconds usually anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought when I watched the All-22 that I would see – I feared that I would see the offense getting exposed in a lot of areas. I didn't see that. Um, you know, was it – A lot of good play. No. I mean, I – but I saw an offense that was moving the ball down the field pretty consistently but had two or three killer plays. The two interception was a killer play. The Liam Eikenberg uh, getting pushed back, hitting two uh, incomplete fourth down and injuring Teron Armstead, that was a killer. And uh, the Raheem Mostert fumble was a massive killer because Dolphins were still down two touchdowns with the ball at that time before halftime. If they score a touchdown, they get the ball back after half. We're right back in it, but you reverse that. And now it's a three score game. That's when the bills started to pin their ears back. And that's when the game really started to get out of control.
0: Mostert fumbled the ball twice, right? If I remember correctly, but what only one was lost.
1: Correct. And the other one very easily should have been lost. Yeah. They, it was, it was not a, a drop the ball, pick it back up. He's sitting there by himself type of situation. He, he, it was on a reception and and he clearly got it stripped. It bounced five yards down the field. And luckily a a Dolphins offensive player got it.
0: Is that a scenario where you could maybe see the bills kind of just like figuring out how Raheem Mostert's carrying the ball, or is it just kind of simply sometimes, you know, the peanut punch just works. Is it something with Raheem Mostert's game specifically or the bills again, just kind of a solid defense. I thought
1: it was, I thought it was more on Mostert, um, not, not a peanut punch type of situation. Um, And it's, you know, recency bias plays into it, you know, it's it's when a guy has 7 carries for 9 yards and two fumbles, that's a terrible game. But d- does that erase, you know, the what 5.9 yards a carry that he had in the first 3 games? Probably not. So, moving forward, the Dolphins running back room on I believe 86 carries is averaging 7.25 yards a carry on the season. That blows any team out of the water by at least 2 yards. So, you know, the Dolphins, the, the challenge moving forward here is stay ba- stay as balanced as you can. And I understand against the Bills why they didn't. And a lot of that twenty twenty hindsight on that, too. Because if you say they should have done it against the Bills, then why wouldn't you say they should have done it against the Chargers in week one when it worked? So, yeah, I mean, the good news is that other than Patrick Mahomes uh, and Josh Allen again, you're not going to face an elite passer the rest of the year Jalen Hurts is good too. Um but is different style kind of guy. But hmm. um I I don't see the Dolphins other than maybe two games having to say okay, we got we got to match them throw for throw in this um throughout the game. So I think they're going to be in a lot better position throughout the rest of these games.
0: Do you think uh do you think um Achans RB1?
1: Uh He should get more carries. He should get more touches, but the other side of that is, is let's not forget uh, Devon, Devon. Uh, see, look, I'm just going to call him Robbie Anderson and Devon i I'm done with this. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Devon um And I believe he has to touch the ball more than mm-hmm. most. But the other side of that is he's five foot nine, 190 pounds. So it can't be a situation where. The guy's getting 22 carries a game and catching six more passes and does that his entire rookie year. Because by the time we get to the games at the end of the year that really matter, is he going to be healthy? Um, So there is an element of having to keep him fresh, but not eight carries for 101 yards fresh. We can do a little bit better than that.
0: Don't forget two touchdowns. Yes, two two touchdowns. The one thing that really sticks out to me, I mean, Miami's rushing attack, and we know that Mike McDaniel was a genius, or the the run game guru, I should say, in in San Francisco. But what's interesting to me is last year it seemed like the bread and butter was uh, Raheem Mostert run to the left side behind, like, the Teron Armstead. Uh, Teron Armstead, he played about a game and a half before he suffered that injury against the Bills. He's going to be out for multiple weeks. Uh, He was great against the run, or a pass, I should say. Very stout, offensive tackle. Uh, He struggled when the dolphins were trying to run the football, I think it actually both him and Isaiah win were beaten 40% of the time on rushing attacks. Why do you think this the offense works when like the, there aren't these eye popping numbers coming from the offensive line. Obviously we're seeing people like Connor Williams be the third center in the league, get to the second level. Uh, but I thought it'd be more of a cohesive, like everyone pushing forward type thing. Does that surprise you at all? Uh,
1: no, it doesn't really surprise me because I, I feel like in the previous games from, from what I saw, the defensive players were, were dropping back a little bit more than the Bills were. And in doing so, you know, imagine a downhill run play where left guard and left tackle get out there. They're running downhill, too. So they're getting out ahead and they're hitting guys that are a little further down the field. So that was creating some more holes. And the Dolphins, you know, hopefully they, they get Armstead back in a couple of weeks because that play really does work, especially in Miami when it's hot. And they're able to, they're able to do that more on an ongoing basis. So I, I think the running game is going to be perfectly fine. It's better with Armstead in there, but even with Kendall Lamb in there, I think they'll be okay.
0: Yeah. Lamb allowed one sack against the bills. And I think he has six hurries a lot on the season. i um, not a great run, uh, run, I should say rushing uh, offensive tackle, but overall just a very solid piece. We're very lucky to have him as a backup. Uh, we already touched on Isaiah Wynn. Robert Hunt. Let's look at the right side of this line because everyone wants to talk about Michael Dieter and and Isaiah Wynn coming in and being strong. What have you seen out of both Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson? That 2020 draft class, I think it was, 2019? It's all kind of clumps together for me, but I mean, those are looking like two solid, like, uh, get a peace of mind type picks. Sure.
1: Um, Robert Hunt has been fantastic at both spots since he's been here, and, you know, to me, this is a top five guard in the league, and if he's not Recognize that way. I hope the Dolphins have already tried to re-sign him because if you're talking about the if he's regarded as the 15th or 20th best guard in the league, which is what I saw in these you know preseason magazines, and um, he's not talked about genuinely with the Zach Martins and Quentin Nelsons. Um, I think he's a notch below that. But if you could get him back for 10 million a year, I I'm tripping over myself to do that. Same thing with same thing with Connor Williams. Now, I mean, you you want to you want to compare. Uh, the value of those two guys combined to Christian Wilkins, to me, it's not even close. You you bring back the offensive lineman, especially after a game like this that Christian Wilkins had. Um, I don't care what PFF said; the guy didn't make a tackle till the fourth quarter, and and was getting washed out on run plays. I mean, uh, so anyway, I I've got, I got a little bit off subject there, but yeah, I mean, Robert Hunt and then Austin Jackson at right tackle. I mean, look, I I still think he is a he has performed at an average to below average level this year, but that's what I would have taken this year. You know, I, I think if he played an offense that where the quarterback held the ball a little bit longer, he'd be exposed a little bit more, but he's athletic. He's getting out there on run plays. And I don't think he's allowed a sack this year. If he has, he's allowed one. So if you would ask me, would I take that at the beginning of the year from Austin Jackson after four games, you betcha.
0: I completely agree. I think, uh, according to PFF, he had four hurries in week one, which was a little spooky, but no sacks allowed. He did, uh, surrender his sack against the bills. Uh, excuse me, Patriots, he allowed a sack and then just one hurry against the bills. Uh, overall though, I do feel like the more I talk about this group and especially if Connor Williams is in there, you gotta be really comfortable. Um, I saw the PFF rankings of offensive linemen, uh, last week, I believe the dolphins entering Buffalo was ranked sixth and now they dropped to 12. Uh Do you think that's right? Do you think they're going to sneak back up into that maybe top five area? Or do you think they're going to settle in right around that 10 to like 15 range?
1: I think they'll move back up when they get Armstead back and they play the rest of the schedule. Um, The Eagles game will be tough if Armstead is not there. Um, That's for sure. But other than that, no, I mean, you're look. Of the next of the Dolphins next 11 weeks of football here, you have the Eagles and the Chiefs. You've got a bye week and then eight of your and your eight other games are against teams that were in the bottom 12 in power rankings here. Now I'm not, people say, Oh, one week at a time. Don't, you know, look ahead, all that other, I don't play for the dolphins. I can say whatever I want. So um, I, you know, it's, it's, the dolphins over the last couple of years have done a really good job of when they're favored heavily in games, knock on wood, Um, they take care of business and I've got some, some data on that going back to the beginning of the 2020 season, they have played in 15 games and 15 games only where they are four point favorites. They are 15 and Oh, in those games. Now that I've said that they better not lose, but I, I, I don't think they will. The dolphins are an 11 and a half point favorite here. That is the third biggest point spread in the NFL this year.
0: Oh man. It's still, still little Joe Philbin queasy. It's just that long-term Dolphin fan. I want to flip it for a little bit and talk about the Dolphins defense, but real quick, uh, you know, Kat, I know for, you have binders and binders and let's say binders of information uh, off the top of your head. When, if you had to take this Miami Dolphins offensive line, when has it been this good? When was the last time you'd say that an offensive line really competed uh, this way?
1: You know, I would say 2008.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Cause that, in that season, they had, that's where they, when they, they drafted Jake long, number one overall. Um, and yeah, they, they, they had several other good pieces there too. They, they didn't get Pouncy until 2011. They didn't get uh, incognito until was it, I think it was 2009. They got incognito, but they, they and smiley? 20,
0: was that someone
1: Justin smiley? Yeah. 2008. Uh, so their offensive line in 2008 was uh, Jake long, Justin smiley. Um, I think Samson's a at, at center, even though he was the weak yes. link, right at right guard, uh, was Donald Thomas and right tackle was Vernon carry, uh, and carry and long at the time were probably the best tackle combo in the league, Justin smiley and Donald Thomas. We were looking good there for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future and both had career ending injuries. So that's kind of par for the course of where the dolphins have been at, at guard, but, um, yeah. And, and I look at the Tannehill years too, when is that they had good players, but when you have mm-hmm. Joe Philbin calling plays and you have Ryan Tannehill taking the snap and standing back there, like a statue for seven seconds, you're going to allow a lot of sacks. I don't care how, I mean, the dolphins had four first round picks on their offensive line in 2014. They allowed 45 sacks last year, which looked like an abomination. They allowed 35. So mm-hmm. McDaniel calling the plays too of being back there, getting rid of the ball quickly adds it it makes things a lot easier on the offensive line
0: let's do it let's switch things to the other side one of the biggest surprises so far this season you have andrew van genkel leading the team with three sacks but more importantly nobody else on this team has one sack looking at the thursday excuse me looking at the thursday injury report it seems like the giants are going to be without their left tackle left guard and center Obviously, we know how good this Dolphins offense is. Could Sunday be the first time we see the defense really take over a game and be the stamp of approval for a victory?
1: Are they better. And, you know, you talked about offensive line rankings before by by PFF where the Dolphins were 6, went down to 12. I think they'll go back up with this schedule and with Armstead returning in a couple of weeks and with Connor Williams coming back pretty shortly, maybe even in this game. Um, if you look at 31 and 32 on that list, it's the Giants and the Panthers. and number 30 is not even close. And Mm -hmm. to put that in perspective, the giants are 31 and they allowed 11 sacks last week to a Seahawks team. That is not very good at getting to the quarterback. And 32 is, are are the Panthers. Um, PFF has been charting pressures and everything like that. I, I know they've been doing this since 2006. I don't know when they started with pressures. I think it was 2006, but anyway, since the beginning of when they started doing it, the, um, Record for most pressures by an offensive line in a year for them is 230 or excuse me, 297 for the year. The Panthers are on pace to be at 293. So you're talking historically bad uh, offensive lines right in a row. So if the dolphins front seven, that is paid very, very well and expected to take over games. If they are not dominating the next two games, then we've really got a problem. I'm not worried about this after the bills game. I will be worried after the next two games if they don't take over these games up front.
0: The nice thing about the giants too. I don't think I've mentioned it once this week. I mean, they're on a short week. They played Monday night football too. Uh, Watching that game. I think the one thing the Seahawks did really well was bring that extra uh, blitzer. And a lot of times it was safeties. Uh, Looking back to last week, we wondered what Brandon Jones was going to look like when he returns to the field. He's a very blitz, happy um, safety who, he's best when he's able to just kind of run at people and tackle them. That wasn't the case against the bills. So looking ahead to the giants, if the dolphins try to copy some of what made the Seattle Seahawks successful, is this when we see Brandon Jones emergence is Deshaun Elliott going to come back? Or is it, Hey, Javon Holland, it's time for you to have a two more uh, forced fumble game.
1: You know, the loss of Deshaun Elliott was huge last game, not, not only for communication, but look, Brandon Jones is a deeply intelligent player. He's trying to come back from injury but he is what he is. He is a great blitzing scheme, specific safety. I don't think he fits in what we do here, to be honest with you. And you look at that touchdown to Gabe Davis, you know, he just can't get to a spot. He's not Mm -hmm. that type of guy. And in this defense where you're expected to cover um, a large area of the field, especially when the pass rush isn't getting there, it's not good news. Um, I I would even consider looking at Justin Bethel a little bit more at safety. Veron McKinley, the fact he wasn't called up is really concerning to me. And I'm not quite sure what he's doing on the practice squad if he can't help you in a game like this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm really rooting for Deshaun Elliott to get back. And part of it, too, is, look, when you know, Nick Needham just started his 21-day window, hopefully he comes back soon. He can, he's, he can be a nickel back, and he can help out in those safety looks. It's not that big of a difference in this defense. Jalen Ramsey, definitely the same way, where when he moves into the slot, um, he's going to help mask a few of those problems at strong safety, if for any reason Elliott um, uh, can't get back to health or, or, or there's any other problem with strong safety.
0: I'm curious. This is this is a complete like Madden type question. Just throwing it out there. Uh, Miami's middle linebackers have struggled. It kind of seems they get a little panicky. They they lose track of the ball a little bit. Why not Why not try out like a Brandon Jones? Put him five yards closer to the line of scrimmage. Have him line up as a linebacker. Am I crazy? You
1: know, based on what I saw from Jerome Baker in the last game, uh, I'm ready to put him at an inside linebacker. <laughs> now, you now Baker, I. I you know, first three games, I think he was he was OK um, and he's been OK for a while, but he's OK on a big salary. This past game. The communication in the middle of the defense was atrocious. I mean, like you, you had double teams at times where they shouldn't have been. You had you had guys just frozen like on that Josh Allen, 12 yard touchdown run. I'm looking at the safeties and linebackers I'm like I don't care if you guess wrong, if you guess wrong. Fine but do something. Don't just stand there. And I, yeah, it was, it was bad. And so, yeah, to answer your question, I I'd be all for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, it's frustrating too, because I hate to keep going back to PFF graves, but David long jr. And, and Jerome Baker were both some of the highest graded safety or, uh, excuse me, linebackers last year. I think long was top 10 and Baker was top 15. So just to kind of see the drop out, drop off, especially, I mean, there were so many of the, um, I hate to use nerdy, but I'm going to use like nerdy football heads who are so excited to see David long in Miami just because of his coverage skills and everything along those lines. So that's the biggest uh, head scratch I've had. But I think one of the ways you can make these guys uh, look a lot better is if um, you see Zach sealer and Christian Wilkins really start to kick it into high gear.
1: Yeah. And they need to, uh, because last game wasn't good enough and overall for the season, it hasn't been either now against the Patriots and against the Broncos, they obviously played much better, but in the two games, against the Chargers and the Bills where you expect the defense to look worse just because of who they're playing but you know 36 points and 48 points where just nothing is happening for quarters at a time up front you're getting you're getting gashed or you're not getting enough pressure that's not going to work um so you know I and as far as linebacker I'll give Baker a hard time because he was so bad last game but you know when you're not getting to the quarterback and you're defensive backs are not covering effectively that puts a lot of stress on the linebackers too. So I, I, I specifically think David Long is going to get a lot better as the season goes along because he's kind of that sudden run up and thumpy type of linebacker. And if he's not as assertive right now as he's going to be a little bit later and when he's more comfortable with the scheme and the schedule starts to decline a little bit, I, I, I think we're going to be happy with long by the end of the year.
0: Speaking of that, uh, how about Bradley Chubb? As we start to wrap up here, I want to get your prediction too before we take off. But um, what what are you liking out of Bradley Chubb so far? Do you think uh we're not seeing enough out of him? Where where's the meter?
1: First and fourth game terrible, second game against the Patriots uh, outstanding, and third game against the Broncos good. That's kind of where it is right now. So um, yeah, I mean it, what it comes back to is two things can be true at once with the last game that with that we played against the Bills is look, I think the bills are, have the best player in the league on the best team in the league. All right. That's, but it's also the team, the dolphins need to beat. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's the team that this is largely the reason you traded for a player like Bradley Chubb to put you over the top to get yourself over the top. Uh, you need to get to Josh Allen and you need to beat the bills. Otherwise we're going to be sitting here happy about the season with a lot of wins, but we're still fifth seed in the AFC and not playing on the road the whole time. So I look the dolphins to me with this, the, this schedule, I think they're going to put together enough wins to be there in that final game against Buffalo to get their revenge. So it's not fold up the tent time because they lost to the bills that bills division. Isn't there, they're the favorites now, but the dolphins have a lot of time to reverse that too.
0: Take away the final results. And and just like, if you're looking at the schedule beginning of the year, would you rather have that week 17 game be in Buffalo or Miami? And then you have that September game where it'd be a lot hotter. And we saw what the dolphins did last year. You're able to string together a couple more wins early on and get that momentum. Or do you kind of like how things are shaping up having that final game in Miami?
1: Oh, I love how things are shaping up schedule wise because you know, so many advantages to, to the schedule. Not only what I've said about 80 or next 10 opponents are in the bottom 12 of power rankings. Um, uh, you don't play at Buffalo or New England in December this year. You play in Germany against the Chiefs, which will obviously be a tough game. But then you've got the entire week, next week off. So, you know, I look at specifically three of the next four games. You're gonna you're gonna have you're going up against the Giants here with Barkley either out or severely hampered and i I don't think he'll be effective anyway their offensive line was already bad they're gonna they're gonna be without john michael schmitz and andrew thomas presumably um unless they miraculously practice on friday tomorrow uh then you've got the panthers who aren't who aren't gonna have jc horn aren't gonna have Shaq thompson on defense Mm -hmm. then the patriots two weeks later yeah they just got jc jackson but the two guys by far that caused the dolphins the most problems was matt judon with the sack on austin jackson and a lot of other pressures and but more so Christian Gonzalez, who's mm-hmm. now out for the year, that was the killer to hold Tyreek Hill to five catches for 40 yards when you were trying to go at Hill. Man, that's huge. And now you get to go up against JC Jackson again, who the Dolphins tore apart.
0: And and two, anytime anyone wants to mention that interception, it was a hundred percent defensive pass interference. He was so tugging on that jersey too in the end zone when uh, JC Jackson got that week one touchdown or excuse me, interception. Go to that Germany game real quick the most detail oriented question i'm going to ask you all day is taylor swift going to be there
1: uh yeah i think she will be i like taylor swift I, i've got no beef with her i mean uh it, look if uh and see my my wife and her whole family are, are chiefs fans i live in st louis my my wife was born and raised in kansas city so that's going to be an interesting game <laughs> at 8:30 in the morning they're going to come over we're going to have brunch and from that point I will retire to the basement and they'll just be yelling for the next several hours. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be a really good game. Um, mm-hmm. And the chiefs, look, the chiefs almost lost to the jets. Uh, they beat the Jaguars 17 to nine. Now they tend to get better as the season goes on, but it's also kind of the Tyree kill revenge game. So that game you kind of looked at it at the beginning of the year and say, yeah, the dolphins are probably going to drop that one. I'm not so sure anymore. And You know, with this schedule, it is important for the Dolphins to be able to take down the Eagles and or the Chiefs, because if not, they could be sitting here at the, you know, after 14 games at 10 and 4, but you actually look at the schedule and say, okay, you beat everybody you were supposed to or almost everybody. But those three games against the Bengals, Chiefs and, and Eagles, you showed you're not one of the top teams. I don't think that'll happen. I think the Dolphins will end up winning one of those two games, but I think they need to as well.
0: Oh yeah, I completely, I, I think when the season ends too, we're going to look at that chargers game as one, like there's no doubt that Miami had to win that game when it's all said and done. I know week one, it can change so many different things, but I, I think that was such a big one, especially with a team like the chargers that's going to probably be in the running for that fifth or sixth spot. Uh, What are you thinking for the giants game? What's the final score going to be? Who's going to be the key player?
1: Yeah, I, the only fear I have, and I it's not a big fear is the giants have scored Believe it or not, in in the first half, I believe, ten points. No, no, um, they scored any points on the year. Uh, that so against the Arizona Cardinals, where they won, they they didn't score any points. They scored all thirty-one in the second half. Um, they had a field goal, I think, against the Seahawks. I'm pretty sure they they have somewhere between three and ten points in the first half mm-hmm. of games this year. My only fear is Saquon Barkley plays. The Giants come out and they immediately score a touchdown on the Dolphins. Now. The Giants are thinking, wait a minute, this is not the same Sunday. We've actually got a chance in this one, but that's not a big fear of mine. Um, look, this offensive line that they have with, uh, you know, assuming Thomas and John Michael Schmitz don't play, Josh Azuda at left tackle, Mark Lewinsky at left guard, Ben Bredesen at center, who's going to, who would be playing hurt, Marcus M- M- McKeithen and Evan Neal, the former top seven pick at right tackle, who's been terrible and has had a pretty, mouthy week too so to speak this uh, this offensive line line along with the panthers the following week are off the charts the two worst in the league in the miami heat as the game progresses i don't see how they how they compete with the dolphins offense i just don't see it happening so i'm gonna go big on this one too i'm going 41 to 41 to 14 dolphins
0: i like that I keep doing this to you. I'm so sorry, but but one more question. You mentioned that the the one thing you're afraid of is the giants going down and scoring right away. Everybody loves to score before the end of the half and get the ball to begin the second half being the team, the 11 point favorite, and it's still growing being that team that's supposed to win. Is this a scenario where maybe you can say, let's just go punch them in the mouth. Let's set the tone right away and just run away with this game right away. Is that ever going to happen? Or is it always going to be data driven and say, get the ball after half?
1: I, As a general rule, I like getting the ball after half, Mm -hmm. but you make a good point. too. I mean, look at the Broncos game, you get the ball, two plays in it's seven to nothing. And now I'm thinking, okay, if you, if you can force the Broncos into three and out and get the ball right back, they might be, and you can go down and score again. It's 14, nothing this against this team, this game's over. Mm -hmm. And then there was a lot of fun after that, obviously. So Ah, that's a flip of the coin in a game like this 99 out of a hundred times. I would say, I would say get the ball after half. Cause if you get yourself into trouble, you know, I've seen so many games too, with the dolphins where like they're, they're down, you know, 10 to three, 14 to three in the second quarter and then they get the score and then they got the ball after half and boom, we're right back in this. So ooh, flip a coin on that one.
0: I love it. I love it. Kent, thank you so much for joining me. That is all I have. And thank you, everyone every out there, for tuning into another edition of another Dolphins podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. But until then, it's been